on December the 16th, 1773, 300 Liberty Sons marched on some ships, T-ships, in the Boston Harbor. They were protesting the unfair taxation, and they decided to do something about it. So they threw over 45 tons of tea into the Boston Harbor. There were thousands of colonialists that were cheering them on. What they did not know was that that one day would be instrumental in lighting the fuse for the beginning and ending of the American Revolution. This particular day, the Boston Tea Party, is a great example of how revolutions begin. That when people are convinced of a cause and they are committed, then dramatic change begins to happen. That happened with Jesus when he did something one day that was revolutionary, and as we'll get into in a moment, it is revolutionary for us and counter to what we really think about being great. I'd like you to turn to uh, Mark chapter 10, and everybody has your scripture out, and let's hit it at verse 35. Mark 10. And we welcome all you that, let's welcome all these people that are online around the, around the world. Welcome you. Verse 35. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Bad move. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right, the other at your left, in your glory. And Jesus said, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? We can, they answered. And Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right and left or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. And when the ten got wind of it, they became indignant with Mr. James and Mr. John. Kind of uh, taken back because it says, then, and it begins this talk. If you back up a few verses there, you find that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. A crowd is around him as he goes away, and all of a sudden, he takes his 12 guys, his 12 leaders, and he has a talk with them. 
And he says, now, I want you guys to know things are going to get pretty bad. There are some religious guys who are going to try to take me out. They are going to kill me, and then I'm going to rise up, and I'm going to be alive. And I don't know how this happened, but as they were all together, James and John kind of corner Jesus. And that's where they ask these questions here. And Jesus says to them now, there's the coming cup and there's baptism. And what he is referring to is the cup of his death and the baptism of suffering and that he was going to give his life for them. And he said, you're going to have a baptism of suffering too. But Jesus says, now, uh, you, you don't understand. I know you want to be great, but you don't understand what greatness is. And Jesus begins to lay out for them what it really means to be great because they didn't get it. Often men don't get the whole story. My wife on occasion will say, Alex, I told you that. And I remember it generally but she remembers it specifically. <laughs> I'm not sure why women are so specific and men are generally specific. <laughs> and these guys, they, they got part of it. You're heading to Jerusalem. Got that part. They didn't get the other part other than he's going to rise. And they think he's going to establish a political kingdom. And they want to be cabinet members on the right and the left. Because they think that he is going to fulfill the fallen glory of David's reign and rule. And they see some opportunity and they want to be in on it. And they don't be, want to be in the, in the background. They want to be secretary of state and secretary of defense. They want to be the big guys. But here's the interesting thing. Jesus never says, why are you guys wanting to be great? He doesn't say that. Let's pick up the story on verse number 42. Jesus called to them, called them together. Now he brings, after these guys are upset, and Jesus is talking to them, then he calls all the guys back. Now he's going to give a talk, all them together. So he calls them back. You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Say that. Not so. Say it again. Not Instead, whoever wants to become great so Jesus is establishing that he wants everyone to be great. 
Great because we have the kingdom of God inside of us. Great because we are called to do incredible things on the earth. Great because we are created in the image of God. And so he says, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your, what an exciting word, servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. And read verse 45 out loud with some action. For even the Son of Man... It's interesting that if you look at and study some of the coins uh, from that time, what is actually written on the coins about the rulers like Augustus Tiberius, son of divine Augustus is on that coin. On the back, it says, greatest priest. Another coin I saw says, regarding the emperor, he who deserves adoration. So the emperors, like, like they were gods. So if you're walking down the street going to Publix, and someone greets you in the parking lot, you say, Caesar is Lord. The other person says, yeah, Caesar is Lord. Because they looked up to him. <laughs> Perfect timing, right on, a, on schedule. So they ruled by threat and fear. They controlled. They manipulated. And Jesus says, you look around and you see these people in leadership, you see how they operate, you see their motivation, and he said to his guys, he said, now listen, and of course he knew he's not going to be around very much longer, but he knew for there to be world conquest that it was not what you did, it's how you did it. So, our, so in our society, it's like the end is the end and the means are unimportant. But Jesus says, it's not what you do, it's how you do it. It's not that you lead something great because he doesn't call us to lead without any parameters as to how we lead. So a father leads and is a great father, and a mother leads the children and is a great mother, not because they have a role or a title. And a leader who is a CEO of a corporation does not lead because they have billions of dollars and they have power. Because this is not about power, it's about humility. It's about you being and me being great so that we have committed ourselves that our greatness is found not in our brain only, but in our commitment to serve. 
And when we serve, our minds, our hearts are shifted from ourselves to somebody else. We have this narcissistic thing happening in our culture. And if we're not careful, we will be caught up talking about ourselves, talking about what we're doing, talking about what we accomplish, talking about who we are, and not remembering we ought to ask questions and we ought to bring people into our lives and consider them more important than ourselves. Ladies and gentlemen, that's revolutionary today on the planet. And in fact, this scripture in Proverbs 27, 2, I never forget this scripture because it says, don't you praise yourself. Doesn't mean we can't tell what we've done, but when our hearts are communicating not just what we accomplished, but we are somehow lifting ourselves high, he said, don't do that. You let you let somebody across the street tell you how great you are. Don't you, don't you go around pompously, look what I did, you guys. We got more Christian leaders strutting around, acting like big guys or big girls or whoever. Let us remind ourselves this morning that what we're talking about is not normal, it is not natural, and it is not found very much in our culture. So what we're talking about today is revolutionary, and probably most of our marriage problems could swiftly be whiplashed and turned around if we actually knew that when I come into a marriage, that's why I don't recommend marriage for people who are narcissistic or they're cool dudes who talk about themselves all the time. Don't marry one of those guys or girls. Back to my notes here. The leaders exercised authority for their own advantage. You are called to greatness. You're called to great relationships where you serve. You do not serve in some kind of a servile way or a fawning way which is unnatural or let people walk over you. We're not talking about servile Servant, we're talking about people with value that are looking at other people with value and they consider them more important and they're ready to pour into other people and see them used by God and, and other people or your kids seeing them grow up and that you have inculcated in them in your house these things. And if you don't teach them, they will have to somehow learn it from a husband or a wife because you didn't teach them. That's why you better get them serving right around age four. Tell them, you get, a, get your diapers. 
Bring your dad a glass of water. Your children or sons and daughters are on their little things day and night and they're not working. I'll tell you, you're going to make it hard on their husband or wife and they're going to be teaching stuff when they're 25 that should have learned when they were six. Our first serve doesn't begin here. No, we can't do any first serves here. Our first serve begins in the kitchen. I grew up, six kids, and we were encouraged to serve and, in fact, told to under great threat of life. And it worked okay. We had an old saying, just do it. And be quiet and praise God. <laughs> so we're, we're understanding we don't serve because we have to, because we have, by, be, people make us. In other words, we're growing the family. Of course, we're told to do those things. When we grow up and as adults, we ought to have inevitably a heart for other people. And we ought to practice that art of loving other people. Jesus invites us to serve out of our hearts. And as servants, we are to be great in our homes. We are to be great at work. We are to be great on the campus. We're to be great in our neighborhoods. And we are to serve with joy in our hearts and compassion for other people that we consider them greater than ourselves. I really believe that God here in our church is doing something that is brand new. And we remember March 20th, right in this room back here, where the Lord said, we're entering a new season. And I felt like on July 3rd, God is saying, it's time to start a new church right here for us becoming new people. And we began this series here called In our house, and today we're talking about serve like Jesus. Serve wherever we are. Imagine we're in a meeting like this, and, and uh, we have literally hundreds of guests. We've had over, I think, 2,300 guests that have dropped by our campus, and most of us have brought them. Some that know no one, and you're here today. And so you raise your hand, I'm a guest. What happens if that guest becomes so important that someone goes over and begins to talk to them and let them know and share the love of Jesus? Because behind our serving is not just the act. It is that we are showing them 
not telling them always about the love of Jesus. And when we take someone who is a guest and we're able to talk to them, we have someone that raises their hand to come to Christ and come to faith and, and you go over and you say, hey, if you want to go down to the altar, I'll go with you. And so that what happens is we begin to believe and have this new understanding of our future that we're not here to rent a seat. We're here as owners of the family of God. And that when we come in and we're sit sitting and someone is over here by themselves, that we have enough courage and we have bravery to go over and say, hey, I'm, my name is Bob. I see you're here by yourself or you knew and you actually start a conversation of just what's up and allow the Lord to lead the conversation. We actually, to be able to see this great revival, we need to see just in a continual attitude of bring one of everyone bringing a person who needs to see the love of Christ in action. This year, we have already had 693 children from the age of birth to age of 11. And our students from age 12, we have this on the screen, I think, from age 12 to 17, we have 300 students that have come in here, come in one of the meetings in our congregation, and they have come for whatever reason, but now we host them and we love them. We are here to serve like Jesus. And we are pre preparing for the greatest awakening right here in our congregation. And I feel like today we're like the starting of a new church. And I remember those days when we were starting out, we weren't sure what we were doing. But we had passion for people and we worked hard. And we want to see every guest, every person who's a part of our family here, we want to see every person cared for and loved. And so that we are all 100% in when we come on the campus. We want to begin a new movement outside the buildings here that when a mother who has a single mother with three children gets out or someone that needs assistance or whatever, we have a team on the parking lot and they are directing not only traffic, but they are loving people, and they are making a difference uh, from, we have pictures of the parking lot, of when the people are coming in, we are there, and we are ministering to them, we are loving them, and that they feel comfortable being in a new place. We all know, we we're not comfortable in places We've never been before. 
I'm happy to announce this morning in our new church that Pastor Mark has agreed to oversee this team. Would you stand up, Pastor Mark? He is so pumped about this. He is looking for a key leader to lead this, and he wants to have a team form, and he will be here, and he will take your, your uh, name, he will buy you a cup of coffee, he'll take you to Seasons 52, no, uh, but we are excited about that, and uh, then we are uh, excited about a new area out here in the foyer where we're going to move the uh, concierge, and right in that area, we're going to establish a whole center there. This doesn't reflect it totally, but we're going to have people everywhere, an ambiance of community. We're going to take our concierge and move it uh, west in front of the cafe. We're going to get a new menu in the cafe. We're going to uh, co-partner with a uh, distributor of coffee. Uh, we know that God moves greater where there's coffee. And so uh, we want to have good coffee. And uh, Jesus not only brings people together, coffee does. And so uh, we're, we're going to do some changes there. And our dream is that we're going to create here... Uh, an environment where a person doesn't come in and rent a chair and they run to their car like this, that's not what we're about. I'm not, I know some preachers do that. They kind of preach and they go out, they're going to run back here. <laughs> I actually like to be with people. And I believe our church likes to be with people. And you can imagine when you see somebody that goes by themselves you tackle them. I mean, you, 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 you locate them and you say, can I buy you a cup of this new coffee that just came to town? And, and there's community there. And outside in our lobby, there's community. And, and it's not you walk out and leave. And we have all of our small group leaders that, that this is their big day. They're ubiquitous. They're everywhere. And they're, they're talking to people. They're inviting people to their house and, and sending Uber over for them. I mean, and it's community. I want to be a part of that kind of a new church where we're tight, we're close, we're, we're all great in the, in the eyes of the Lord, but we also have decided to, to have the value as a culture here that we serve like Jesus. Say it with me. We serve like Jesus. Say it again. We serve like Jesus. So as we go forward, we're doing over the pre-K area where we've had some plans drawn and we're working on that. And I'm happy uh, to tell you that Stephanie Mojica is going to oversee our pre-K now and be working with her husband, Victor. And are they here somewhere? Where are you? Stand up. Is Victor here? Yeah, Victor. Come on, give them a nice welcome. And uh, we, we thank God for all the children's workers 
that are involved. And we, we thank you for your ministry and what God is doing. And I didn't mention this. Judy is going to take care of all of heading up teams. And we've been talking about this everywhere in our house for three months. And so she's going to head up the teams. And we're going to have literally hundreds of people everywhere uh, serving people uh, on this campus. And so you're hired. <laughs> In our translations, uh, we are, as you know, translating Russian, Spanish, Portuguese, and maybe one other language. We have these radios we use, and you may have one right now. In the next several weeks, we are going to have a app that you can have on your phone, and it will make everything like high-tech, yay God. And that's going to be, is that going to be great? Or that's going to be great? We've been having some meetings here because we're believing for the harvest. And the word harvest and growth keeps coming to us. We talk to our advisory council, the pastors, our staff, and it was unanimous that we should take a pause on the 1 o'clock service and have 9 and, 11, 9 and 11 right now fill this whole place up, grow together tighter, and then, and begin that on the 30th when Jane is here, and then have enough people serving because we can't do that at 1 o'clock effectively in trans translation and children and every other area. And we want to step back, pause. I'm believing in a short while we're going to come out fierce for 1 o'clock. But we're going to be strong at 1. And we're going to be strong at 9 and 11. And everyone's going to start bringing a friend every week. And man, I'm working like crazy on this. Judith is working on it. And it only takes like one or two weeks. Everybody just bring one. It's done. But we want to be together, be tighter, and just see an eruption of the glory of God take place and the power of God come down and see things that we have never seen happen before, like what we saw on Wednesday night when we came together here, we never had had tamarind before, but just sensed that the Lord was doing something new. You know, when the Lord is doing something new, it's kind of like a little bit of being uneasy. In fact, if you get too comfortable, maybe God's not doing anything new. So he has to shake us up, stir us up, and we have to go out on the diving board, and we're not sure how deep the pool is, but we have to jump off if we hear the Spirit of God saying that we are to do it, and God said, bring her in here, and we had a Holy Ghost Pentecostal repeat in Acts 2 night where the Holy Spirit showed up, and uh, she spoke. And we had, for hours, she laid hands on every, everyone. And the reports are coming in 
of miracles that happened and signs and wonders and things were fabulous. Uh, Venus um, uh, Venus was here, Sierra, and she had been in an accident some years ago and had two discs and problem and another disc lower in her back. And then she had them take that out, another operation, she's in pain. And all of a sudden in that service right there, that pain left her neck. And she's right over here. Stand up, stand up, Venus. And I believe this is going to be a common occurrence that we're going to see the power of God in every service that when the preached word of God comes, that we're going to see signs and wonders and things are going to happen. We're going to see hundreds of students that are laying hands on the sick. And we're going to be fierce and against every sickness and every disease. And they're going to say, something's happening over there at the church in the sun. Something's happening over there, right? I don't know whether it's the sun coming down or the sun that's in there, but something's happening, and I declare right now that there are healings of necks right now in the name of Jesus. You got a problem with your neck, put your hand on your neck right now, and I declare you're healed in the name of Jesus. I declare healing of backs in the name of Jesus. We declare it in the name of Jesus that you are more than enough that you want to do more than you have ever done before. We declare it in the name of Jesus that we are going to see a downdraft of the Holy Spirit, that we're going to see the power come down like it came down when they dedicated the temple, when Solomon, chapter 7, 2 Chronicles, when Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven, consumed the burnt offering and sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. And when all the Israelites saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground and worshiped. And gave thanks to the Lord, saying, He is good. His love endures forever. When the glory comes down, whatever you've been doing before it comes down, there's a fire. Then an actual fire came down, and there was an altar with an animal on it, and it literally burned up the sacrifice. We're under the new covenant, and now the Bible says, You're the sacrifice. So now, we are the sacrifice. When I read the Old Testament, and every time it says sacrifice, every time I see the word sacrifice, I don't think of an animal, I think of myself. I am the sacrifice. And he is interested in the sacrifice. And when the glory of God starts to come down, it's not the literal fire like in that day, but it is a fire. And the Holy Spirit is spoken of as the fire because a fire will do 
some kind of damage. And what the fire does, it begins to burn out the things that need to go. And we begin to be changed in the glory of the Lord. And we decide that we're not going back. We're not going back to what God did. We're not going back to what happened in Church in the Sun last year or the year before. We're not going back, but we are deciding today in this new church, in this day that is coming ahead, that we are going to be tight. We're going to be a people that serve. We're going to be committed, and I'm, uh, I'm going to serve you. Judy's going to serve you. Our, our team is going to serve you. And on a Sunday, rather than having about 200 here, we're going, to have, we're going to have several thousand, everybody serving. No one comes. If your serve is the person next to you and you lay hands on them and you say, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk, that is a miracle and God is going to do it. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hit it. Come on. No one leaves. Stand up. I believe today, in a moment, when we share in the body of Christ through Holy Communion, something happened to me a few years ago when the significance of it became powerful. That when I stop and I begin to remember what Christ did for me, because the ultimate serve, when we say serve like Jesus, the ultimate serve is the fact that he, he gave his life for us. The Bible says he was a ransom for many. That includes you and me. A ransom is where someone's held in captivity and said, I'll take a million dollars and I'll, I'll give you back your son. And Christ says to us, you're held hostage. And so the Father sent Jesus, and Jesus said, I'll pay the price for you to get set free. Remember the price and the serve, because that's what Christ did in a moment. We have stations all over the building, and 
If you're a guest, you can just watch if you want. But we as a church believe we take the bread. I like to say that the body of the Lord Jesus. And then take the cup, the blood that was given for us. And I'm believing whether you share with two or three or your family or maybe just by yourself. At that moment, Christ the healer, Christ the deliverer, he's whatever we need. If we're down, if he's down, not now, please. If we are down, he will pull us up. If we are sad, he'll give us joy. If we are sick, he'll heal us. And so in a moment, in the balcony, we have people on both sides, in the front, back here, right there in the middle. And let's just go and let's take the bread and the cup and you take it individually and let's honor and remember how Christ served us. When I saw 50 people, when we saw 50 people come to Christ on Wednesday night and people come to Christ when the glory of God is in a room, how many know that? And you may be here and you say, listen, I need to be forgiven. In just a moment, we're going to let you raise your hand and say, pray for me. Christ took our sins on the cross. We don't have to live where we are. We can have a brand new life, but we have to decide to put our faith in Jesus. In a moment, I'm going to count to three. If that's you, you put up your hand and say, pray for me. I want to be forgiven. And I can tell you wherever you are, if you're watching in another country, I can tell you Christ will change your life right now. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Would you bow your heads, please? One, two, three. Put your hand up. I need Jesus. Put it up. Put it up wherever you are. Yes, put it up. I need Jesus. Yes, yes. Put it up. Put it up. Yes, yes. Put it up. Say yes. Pray for me. Pray for me. Pray for me. I want to be forgiven. Hands going up all over the building, in the balcony. Where are you? I want to ask everyone that lifted your hand just to walk the aisle, stand here. We're going to close this with a short prayer with you. Right now, you come. Thank you, Jesus. Come right now. Yes, come, come, come. Come, come. Over here. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come on. Come on, come on down. That's it. Come on down. Come to Jesus, wherever you are. Yes. Today's the day. Yes, yes, yes. Come, come. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus.
just thank the Lord for all of these that have come this morning. Hallelujah. Everyone look up. We're not talking about how bad you've been. We're talking about how good Jesus is. Our focus is on Jesus. And we're going to pray a prayer. You pray this prayer from your heart. You do this in faith. Your next step is to make a declaration of water baptism and let the whole world know that you belong to Christ. And Pastor Dave is here, our new follower of Christ pastor, and he'll take you to the side for three minutes or more. Got friends there because we're a family. And so we're going to pray this prayer. You're watching online. And if you didn't come, he'll hear you back in the back or wherever you are. So I'd like all those that are followers of Christ uh, to say this loudly. I like the devil to like hear it loudly like he's a loser. Today's a bad day for him. So let's say it together. Jesus, Jesus. I put my faith in you. That you took my sin on the cross. I confess and believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. And he is alive. I turn from my sin. I repent of my sin. And I abandon my life to follow Jesus. Jesus, come into my heart. Give me your grace and the gift of righteousness. And eternal life. You prayed that prayer from your heart. You're in the family. Come on, let go. Go with them. Hallelujah. Go with them. Go with them. Come on, keep praising God as they go.